Thousands of books have been written about it. Tens of thousands of songs have been written about it. Perhaps hundreds of thousands of poems have been written about it. And I'm sure millions and millions of notes have been written all in the name of love. By this time in our history, we should be experts in love, masters in its application, and gurus of understanding. But everyday hearts are broken, fights are won and lost, wars are fought, and souls stand in need of love. Hear my definition of love on this episode of A Word with Anthony Walker. Love, noun, an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something. Verb, feel deep affection for, like or enjoy very much. Love is seemingly one of the easiest things to describe, yet one of the hardest things to define. Think about the first time you felt loved, not the first time someone told you they loved you. We'll get there later. But the first time you felt loved, you probably just got a warm feeling thinking about it. Perhaps it was your mother. For most people, that's the first time they can recall feeling loved. Her love enveloped you like the swaddling cloth in which you were brought home. Perhaps it was your father. His love was strong enough to carry you and the family. Or maybe the first time you felt loved was from your granny. Her love was as warm and nurturing and as consistent as her cooking. You can virtually feel the love through all that she does. If I were to ask you at this point to define what love is, you would probably reflect on so many situations describing love. Love is when your mother excitingly gushed over whatever you did. You know that line drawing that looked like a nervous chicken drew it? She was so proud of it and wanted the world to know. That time I tried to make my mom breakfast in bed. I microwaved the bologna and loaded it up with mayo on both pieces of bread. By the time the plate made it to her, the heat from the bologna and the loads of mayo had the bread and sandwich sliding all over the place. But you would have thought she had just had brunch at a five-star restaurant. Or that time when you were hurt physically or emotionally, your mom was there to mend it in some kind of way. In those instances, you know you felt loved. What about the first time you loved someone? Does the story go back to your mom again? A better question would probably be, when did you first know that you loved someone? Was it a feeling? Was there a sign? Did you see Cupid? Were there angels singing or harps playing? But is love a feeling? If love is a feeling, it is one of the most complex feelings we've ever experienced. It's complex because sometimes something can be done for love that doesn't make you feel loved. 
Sometimes a person is told a difficult truth because of love, but they leave feeling judged or angry and hurt, often because they weren't ready to face a difficult truth. Sometimes because of the sacrifices that love requires, the person making the sacrifice doesn't feel the love of the sacrifice as the recipient of the sacrifice. But on the other hand, it is sometimes the pain that we experience that causes us to examine whether it was love or not. Frankly, we must examine the subjectivity of our feelings. Sometimes we love and feel loved based on the object of our love and how they make us feel about ourselves. A dear friend of mine, Minister Trey Beard, says that love can be one of the most selfish things we do. We fall in love with someone because of the way they make us feel about ourselves. We fall out of love when they stop making us feel that way. Sometimes our feelings can be as fleeting as the changing direction of the wind. If love is a feeling, it most certainly is a complicated one. I can feel the wind, but the wind isn't my feeling. Wind is there whether I'm there to feel it or not. Similarly, I believe love can be felt, but love isn't a feeling. Sometimes the way we feel about what is done for love can make us feel good or bad. Depending on the level of communication, concern, and compassion, bringing her flowers can be a sign of love that makes her tingly inside. But the same gesture can produce anger if an offense has occurred. But even still, sometimes those flowers can repair a wound caused by the strains of life. So the same gesture in three different situations can produce different results. And that leads to a whole discussion of love being an action. People often say love is an action word. They say this with the perspective that love is something that you do almost entirely. So they may argue the point that love isn't whispering sweet nothings in your ear or love isn't a poem or a song or a Hallmark card that you picked up and signed your name to. But love rather is a selfless act of service or sacrifice. To some degree, I agree with their argument because sometimes people say one thing and do another. This causes tremendous confusion. Remember when I said, what about the time that someone told you they loved you? It's those instances where we think about, did their words match up with their actions? Or have you experienced those times where people have told you they loved you, but their actions didn't communicate that same love? Consider this. When we haven't learned who we are and where we are and why we are, our default is naturally self-serving. So no matter the age or stage, when we haven't understood those things, it's difficult at best and next to impossible at worst for us to truly love anyone outside of ourselves. 
If we couple that with being raised or surrounded by people who haven't understood themselves, then our version of love is flawed and fractured. It can produce people who are abusive, but say, I love you. People who are selfish, but say, I love you. Or I like you until you do something that I don't like, but I love you. I love you until you make a mistake. I love you, but you can never change or grow. I love you as long as I can control you. Then the next generation will use that template for what love is. So sometimes you have abused people who abuse people in the name of love. Even worse, because of our nature, which is designed to be loved, we crave love so badly that we will sometimes accept substitutes. This can result in a young lady who's been abused and mistreated to desire to find the purest love she can. Perhaps I can have a baby, a child who will know nothing else but mama. A child who will love mama unconditionally, even if mama herself doesn't have a good understanding of what love is. Or a young man who was abused by other men being confused as to what love is and what is appropriate. Now lust gets confused for love because lust is indulgent and to some degree for some moment makes me feel good. Keep in mind that we all struggle with our own lusts. So if lust becomes confused with love, we're in big trouble. Lust is insatiable, but love can satisfy and be satisfied. Philosopher and scholar Dr. Cornell West says that love is a form of death. To learn to love is learning how to die. This leads me to the ultimate demonstration of love as seen in the scriptures. Jesus dies for all mankind. He tells us and shows us that there is no greater demonstration of love than dying for another. If the ultimate sacrifice one can give is their own life, the ultimate demonstration of love is giving their life for another. The Bible is replete with descriptions and demonstrations of love. Two scriptures that come to mind is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 1 John chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul starts by talking about love as a mind and motivator of all that we do. If we do anything without love as the motivator and mindset, then we are doing mindless actions that won't profit anything. But then he gives the comprehensive description of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't envious. Love is not self-serving. Love isn't rude. Love doesn't think evil. Love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. Love rejoices in truth. Love bears all, believes all, hopes all, and endures all. Love never fails. Wow. That is about as concise a description of love 
that we can find. One thing I used to do with that scripture, since in 1 John chapter 4, the Bible states that God is love, I would replace the word love for God, and then the same passage describes God as well. Listen, God is patient. God is kind. God isn't envious. God is not self-serving. God isn't rude. God doesn't think evil. God doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. God rejoices in truth. God bears all, believes the best of all, hopes all, and endures all. God never fails. Isn't that neat? The same passage tells us so much about God and love. For God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, John gives us a breakdown of God's love and its uniqueness and its perfection. But John also hits us with that whopper of a statement, God is love. God is love is different from saying that love is God. Here's the nuance that I see. Saying love is God assumes that one can love without God. I don't surrender to that assumption. Within this era, it is believed that whatever we do with a positive mindset and good intentions must be love. And if that is love, then God is present. That sounds good until we examine our complicated feelings and intentions. This is how I think we can look for love in all the wrong places and find ourselves grabbing the wrong thing and then labeling it love and or labeling it God. If you let the culture define it, it would say love is love. And the way that it is described is almost as if love is a contagion. It can sneak up on you and grab you. You can't help it. You can't help where it goes. You can't help who you love. Love is love. However, on the other hand, the phrase is biblically stated, God is love. And that means I have to get to know God to understand what love is. John says it this way. We love because he first loved us. We only have a concept of love because God loves us. So the question remains, what is love? Obviously, the context is in relation to how we deal with one another. Is it a feeling given our complicated and subjective feelings system? Is it an emotion given our emotional swings? Is it a strong liking as common definitions handle the word? I asked several of my friends and family their response to this query, and they looked up and all sighed. Ooh, that's a tough one, they all said. Most replied with descriptions of what love looked like or felt like. Some would even give an allegory upon which the conclusion of the interaction was love. Some equated love with sacrifice, but also found flaws in its equivalence. I heard one response, love was forgiveness. Again, a great metaphor. 
Even preparing this podcast was a challenge. The other words that I've done and even the words that I will do, I figured I could talk about easily. But love has been an interesting challenge. So here's my definition of love. Love is love is a decision to agree with and align oneself with God's perspective toward the other. I know, I know it doesn't sound romantic or probably not even clear at this point, but that's my definition. Allow me some time to unpack it and hopefully you'll see how I arrived there. I believe at the core, love is a decision. We decide who we love, why we love, how long or how intensely we love, and even with whom we withhold our love. There's a reason why we love who we love. So at the core, it is a decision. It's a decision to agree and align ourselves with God's perspective. Here's the challenge that I have when thinking about love. God loves the worst individuals, the absolute worst individuals on earth that are and that have ever existed. And not only does he love them, he also loves the really bad individuals that we may not know much about. Those with secret evils. He loves them. He loves those who are kind of bad, but sometimes sneak in a little good as well. He loves those who think they are good, but deep down aren't very loving or kind. As a matter of fact, he even loves you and me. When I think about me, I think I'm a nice guy. I tend to think I'm a good person all things considered, but I've done some bad things in my life. I don't know about you, but some of my failures in life have been huge. At one point, I thought, I wish I could have a small or medium failure every now and then because all of my failures seemed extra large. But given my failures and my flaws, God simultaneously loves the worst individuals you and me without condition. He loves us in spite of us. He loves us before we knew to love ourselves. So biblically, two cannot walk together unless they are agreed. So if I am to walk with God, I have to be in agreement with God. Now, this is where it really starts to challenge me because it's one thing to agree with a direction, but it's another level to align myself with that agreement, to shape what I do and how I respond to that direction. Let me be more plain. We can all agree that we can do better with our diet, but it's another thing to align our grocery list and our snack list with that agreement. It's one thing to agree that we can all do better, but it's another thing to align my life with that agreement of actually doing better. So it's fairly easy to say, I love everybody. But when we find out that everybody is everybody, including that person that cut you off, 
including the person that skipped you in line, knowing that they did, and even the one who offended you and the one who, yeah, them too, you know, everybody. So I decide to agree to align myself with God's perspective towards the other. What is God's perspective towards the other? It is an unconditional favor. He has every reason to hate us, but he doesn't. He has every reason to withhold grace and mercy and forgiveness, but he keeps on loving us. He has this positive outlook on us. He doesn't want to see us fail. He meets us at our need. He is ever sacrificial. He is long suffering. And the list goes on. Thinking about God's perspective on us causes me to change my perspective on love. God has pursued us from the beginning. It was a challenge for him because we kept running away from him. Well, maybe their needs aren't met. So he lavishes us with all our needs. Maybe they need to be delivered. Maybe they need another chance. Maybe they need words of affirmation or acts of service. It was like a quest. And when we assume his perspective, we may approach those who offended us with compassion and mercy rather than retribution. I know, I know that might have hit a nerve because it hits a nerve with me, but it brings me back to the decision. Think again about those that you love. Perhaps they've said something that hurt or done something that hurt and you still love them. You decided to love them. That love has been tested through life situations and you still love them. One memory that comes to mind when I think about that is from a scene of The Matrix. Neo is trying to gain confirmation on whether he is the one or not. So he goes to the Oracle, a character of all wisdom, seeking an answer of confirmation. One thing that she tells him is that he will be put in a situation in which he would have to make a decision, perhaps one of the toughest, if not the toughest decision he would ever have to make. She says, you didn't come here to make the choice. You've already made it. It's walking out that decision. That's the hard part. When we decide to agree and align ourselves with God's perspective on others, it's a decision that will include some challenges. We've already made the decision to love. Now we have to walk out that decision with patience, grace, mercy, and yes, forgiveness. Love may be the toughest decision we've already made. You may have another definition of love, perhaps more complete and more comprehensive than mine. I'd love to hear it. Let's walk out this love thing so that others may be healed and compelled to share in the love as well. As always, thank you for sharing a word with Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker.